You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's the Pimp Cron. I'm back in the saddle, and this is the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, episode 121. And we are supported by GameMat.eu for pre-painted terrain, and of course, those beautiful mats they pedal. Also, our Patreon subscribers, please subscribe at patreon.com slash pimpcron, and I will love you long time. So, uh, what are we talking about tonight? We have a bunch of Shorehammer-related stuff. Hopefully, you're not sick of it already. Um, I have a bunch of behind-the-scenes recordings that I made with my phone during and before and after Shorehammer. So that's exciting, a little bit of backstage look at stuff. And we also have a discussion of my time at Shorehammer this weekend. Not about the event itself necessarily, but what was my experience like? And we discussed that. And we also have a Want That or Want That Not with the Necromunda, Vanzar, Archaeotech, and Grav Cutters. And whether or not we like those or are they just fucking trash. Um, you'll, you'll find out. So, what is going on with me besides Shorehammer going on? Um, what else? I've started, well, I've continued to work, but I'm working more fervently on the Brutality narrative modules, which is basically an RPG Dungeons & Dragons module where, you know, you can explore this. The first one I'm doing is a, a basically a pirate cove, and I think I've mentioned it before in the air, so I'm not going to go into it, but um, it's very cool. I, it's starting to really flesh out, and I'm getting excited about it. So, um, I played a game of, uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar with my friend TJ this week at the club, and what did I bring and what did he bring? Oh, I brought my Stormcast, and he brought his, um, slaves to, I mean, uh, his Legions of Nagash with Neferata and all that. He takes a bunch of Blood Knights and Neferata, and I've told you about this before on the podcast, it's a pretty... It's a pretty gross list, but admittedly, there's not a whole lot he can take with Soul Blight besides like the bats. So, um, and Neferata's just a bitch. I, I hate her so much with the minus one to hit and all that. Um, so, I I think we played really well. Me and my buddy Connor, he had Skaven and I had Stormcast. We teamed up against TJ, and I think we played the game really well. I knew that I could not like pound for pound beat TJ's list because of the damage output it does and the healing and all that, but I knew that if I took some of the faster units in the Stormcast lot, that I'd be able to capture objectives. So that's what I, uh, that's what I did. And, um, there was a couple times that were really, really key in our game. Ultimately he won by like three points, I think two or three points, but it was one of those things where we were winning the entire game, but he was still able to score points and he was still able to just whittle us down, whittle us down, whittle us down. And to the point where he was much faster than us with his blood knights with fly and the extra to their movement and all that. And uh, he was running around capping objectives. Uh, Nefrata never did die, but we got, we ended up getting wiped on turn five. I think it was. And um, actually, yeah, I think we got wiped or I had one model left or something, but um. The really cool thing is that I deep struck 10 retributors with those hammers behind his blood knights. And I've learned one way to deal with the blood knights. They are three wounds each. They are a three up save and they do, you know, heal if they kill somebody. They're pretty gross. But as long as you don't let them get the charge, they don't get the extra AP and damage or whatever it is they get on the charge. So my retributors, I deep struck my nine, I mean, my 10 squad of retributors 
and I lined them up right behind his blood knights. And I was like, you know what? All right, part the cheeks, homeboy. We're going to come on in. And sure enough, we rolled the nine to charge and uh, we got in there. And just with the mortal wounds, the blast to ashes ability, we did 10 mortal wounds just right off the bat. Six is the hit or count as two mortal wounds with retributors. So we killed, what, three horses just right there. Blood Knight's gone. And then we did four more unsaved damage later on um, after we finished rolling wounds and saves and all. So 14 unsaved damage on the charge, and I was thrilled. And, um, I mean, that's most of what this game was. Uh, a lot of objective hopping. I think we had six objectives. I think it was six. Yeah, six objectives. And... Um, I mean, Connor and I worked pretty well together. His Skaven did pretty well. Um, he had his Warp Fire Cannon, which is just disgusting. He rolled a one twice for it, so that was really cool. And um, what else? I, I just feel like the strategy of the game on our part... Um, TJ's army is pretty straightforward. He grabs objectives, and then he runs and hits you in the face. Like, that's basically... There's not a whole lot of finesse to that army, but... I took a bunch of, I was taking a risk, and I took two three-man squads of prosecutors for Stormcast, because they move either 12 or 14 inches, they're really fast, and they can charge 3d6 um, with a maximum charge of 18 inches, so they're really good at deep striking and charging something just to tie it up. So before my retributors came in, I decided to try to tie up his blood knights with the prosecutors, in case the retributors failed their charge. I rolled 3d6, and I rolled three ones for my charge. Can you believe that? Three ones. So clearly I did not make that. But um, it was still a super, super fun game. And I thought we were going to win the entire game until the very end. Turns out we didn't. But still, um, that is just one of the many, many fun games I've had between Shorehammer and now. It's just awesome. I also had Just James over. And um, I tried out my Sylvaneth. I traded for some Sylvaneth about a year ago. And I've never actually used them. So I tried my Sylvaneth. And... Um, he was playing his actual tournament list from the AOS GT. He never actually was a ringer, but he made a list anyway. So it was a bunch of flamers of Zinch and um, pink horrors and stuff. And by turn two, I was pretty much off the table. So we just decided to call it. Rather, he decided to call it because he asked me, Hey, uh, this isn't really fun. I'm just beating your teeth in. Um, do you want to play again? And I was like, look, I'm not going to quit. So if I'm going to let you beat my teeth in. But if you want to um, start over because we're not having fun, then that's fine. And he said, yeah, he'd rather start over because it just wasn't fun. So clearly his list was far better than mine. It also happened to be the very first time I was playing Sylvaneth ever. So I had no real way to play them very well. And um, anyway, so the second game, he took a bunch of like the Zangors and the Disciples of Zinch or whatever they're called. And that game was much more fun. It was back and forth. Like, he killed he killed most of my army by turn three, the bottom of turn three. But somehow, one branch witch, no, one branch wraith, and one tree lord ancient, and one kernoth hunter is all I had left on the board for, like, basically two turns. Two full turns, turn four and five. And they were able to hold their own. That tree lord ancient man is no joke. You get him to close combat... I also gave him the uh, this artifact for my um, uh, Harvest Boon group. And basically, after he attacks in close combat, he can make a 6-inch move and get out of combat. So that's what I love to do. Uh, he has a stomp on a 4-up. The One of the units within an inch of you has to uh, 
activate last. So I charge in with him. I stomp, which makes them like unsettled and they can't attack right away. And then I attack with him and I immediately just retreat. And I did that several times and it was beautiful. It really was beautiful. So we often do that. If if he comes over and one of us is beating the shit out of somebody, we're like, okay, this is turn two. Let's just start over. Let's make new lists or whatever and whatever we think the issue is. And then let's just play a real game that's fun. And that's what we did. And ended up in the very last turn of the game, I was able to wipe him off the board with a failed battle shock. And very last turn of the, bo- of the game, and... The problem was, is I had to teleport and I wasn't able to get within six inches of that objective. So at the end of the game, I, we tied, we tied exact in points and I was able to come back from like 80% loss on turn three, all the way to tabling him at the very last turn of the game. So that was really fun. And we tied. So it was, it was a great game. Once again, I've had so many good games lately. It's not even funny. Like they've been close. A lot went on. Like it's just been great. So I'm loving life right now, and I got to play so much in the last week. It's crazy. So um, that's about it. I think uh, I think that's all I've been up to. So I will hopefully be having my um, my Brutality Skirmish War game, Bestiary, and Gauntlet Mode book up for sale soon, probably next week sometime. Um, I just ordered my third and hopefully final proof copy. And uh, then they will be up for sale. So I'm excited about that. And uh, this narrative module has me super excited as well. But I'm not going to bore you with it right now. Anyway, thanks to Patreon sponsors and GameAt.eu for supporting the show. And let's get on with it. Wait, wait, wait. Event 10 at GameAt.eu gives you 10% off. Just uh, I always forget to say that. But it's Event 10. The 1-0. The number's 10. Anyway. Want that? Or want that not. On this edition of Want That or Want That Not, I'm discussing the Vanzar Archaeotechs and Grav Cutters for Necromunda. This, of course, is not a Necromunda podcast, but Necromunda is part of Warhammer and it's a Games Workshop po- product. And my God, if you've not seen these Archaeotechs and Grav Cutters, I have to tell you. These things are freaking amazing. $42 for six models. Four of them are on these sky cutters, and two of them are the Archaeotechs. And the Vanzars are the technological, high-tech, you know, wealthy people in the Necromunda, apparently. I remember that from when I used to play the old Necromunda. And uh, they, they're like on green goblin gliders almost but they're really cool green goblin gliders and for the four people that are on those also have these energy shields which is freaking fantastic i love it i love everything about it there's nothing i don't love about it i gotta tell you man it is they're just it makes me want to play necromunda honestly it makes me want to now i have a far superior game brutality and if i'm gonna buy these that's what i'm probably gonna use them for but if they're just, they've really knocked them out of the park. These models have pistols and these really cool energy shields, which is like bluish clear plastic, so you don't have to paint them. And they're on these goblin gliders, which look just a tiny bit like a scorpion. And then the two guys on foot, like, I mean, they're fine and all. They're, they have like, one of them has like a servo arm and a plasma pistol, it looks like. And the other one has like some big cannon on his arm and a plasma pistol. I mean, those guys... They're totally fine, but these grav cutters are the bomb, is what they are, and I don't know, 
I mean, part of me, just James and I were discussing it, and we were saying, you know, the Dark Eldar, um, come on, on Skyboards, the Hellions. The Hellions, the Dark Eldar. I don't actually own any Hellions on Skyboards. So this is actually pretty cool to be proxies as Hellions. But I'm have to I would have to check the price of Hellions to see if it's worth it. Plus, this is only four of them. It's not five. If they gave you five of them, then it would definitely be worth it. But four of these guys, I'm gonna have to buy three boxes at $126 just to have a unit of ten. Uh I think the uh I think the Hellions are probably a better deal, but these look amazing. Yeah, so I just looked it up and the Hellions are five for thirty. And these guys are four for forty-two, and there's only so many of those ground guys you're going to be able to use. Like it's, they look cool and all. The one's got this nice, really, really big cannon, and I just love everything about these models. I, I freaking love these models. There has not been any models that get me this jazzed about any game. I mean, I'm not gonna play Necromunda, but there's not any models that have gotten me this excited in quite some time. They're in these really cool high-tech suits of armor. Their helmets on the guys on the ground have four eyes, kind of like a spider, which is pretty cool looking. And there's really, there's freaking not anything to hate about these models. The one guy has two, like, robotic clampy hands, kind of like servo arms, and the other guy's got the, the guns. And even though the sky cutters definitely, I'm sorry, grav cutters, the grav cutters definitely steal the show with this group. But, I mean, even the Archaeotechs are not bad at all. It's just that, man, the Sky Cutters, are, the Grav Cutters are so darn cool. And if they didn't have the clear shield, if they didn't, if they were just guys on Skyboards, I would still almost be equally as excited. But then they give you these clear blue Sky Shields, and oh my god, it's just... <sighs> Games Workshop has knocked it out of the freaking park with these. And... I'm going to have to get them. I don't know what I'm going to use them for, but I'm definitely going to have to get them because these guys are freaking nuts. Love them. Um, but as far as the Hellions, I have kind of flirted with the idea of buying Hellions for a while and uh, for my Dark Eldar. And Hellions are 5 for 30. So not only do you get one more of them, but it's $12 less. So I, I guess I'll just stick with the Hellions, but these guys are fantastic. I kind of wish... I really wish when Games Workshop comes out with the new Dark Eldar book, I hope they've got more heroes or more leaders because Dark Eldar, and I don't mean to go on a tangent on this, but Dark Eldar, uh, they have the the Archon, they have a Succubus, and they have a Homunculus. And then they've got Drazar, and they've got um, you know Lilith, and they've got Urien Rakarth. But that's all they have. They don't even have a named Archon. Like They just have an Archon. And that's kind of it's kind of a bummer. I hope they get more people because I was gonna say if the if you actually could give one of your characters a sky cutter or a um the sky glider whatever um, that the Hellions have, this would make an awesome awesome character for it. So I could definitely see myself using these guys in brutality. That's for sure. But I think. Because honestly, for Brutality, you got six models in this unit, right? For 42 bucks, That is all you freaking need is these six people. So, and if you, if you really, really wanted to do it, um, you know, you could kit these guys out a little differently because they all have a pistol and a shield. But you could take the servo arms off off the guy on the ground and give it to one of the guys on the, the grav cutter. You could take the big gun, 
give to one of the guys in the grab cutter and just give them all upgrades that give an extra hit point and give them flight. Like, I mean, you really could do that. Um, it would be beast for fast. It would be icon for support. It would be heavy ordnance for range and it would be cavalry for fat, uh, melee would give them all an extra hit point. So anyway, enough about brutality, enough about dark Eldar. What we're talking about is the Vanzar Archaeotechs and grav cutters. And I, love these models so it is 100 it's no no it is 200 percent a want that for me absolutely in love with them some of my favorite models they have made in recent years they're just so cool looking so that is that you've got my verdict i don't know if i was real ambiguous about it or not but i love these things you need to go buy something buy them make them christmas ornaments if you have to i don't care what you do with them you just need to buy them now, here's an idea. So, wake up really early, and this is the day of setup. Me and Kron Jr. are sitting here. I had some quick dry brushing left to do for some last uh, buildings. So, I just finished that, and we are anxiously awaiting when we go to the hotel and meet my whole crew and set up all the tables. And that will be in about two hours. So I've got bunches of little teeny nitpicky crap to do this morning, like print out the trivia for Friday night or Saturday night, whenever we do that. And uh, I can't be, don't, don't expect me to know my own schedule and stuff like that. So I'm super, super excited. Had a hard time sleeping last night. And uh, how are you doing, Cron Jr.? Okay. Well, <laughs> he's still a little sleepy. So, it is 4 o'clock on Wednesday night, and or Wednesday afternoon, and we have just finished all of our setup for Shorehammer 2020. Like we said before, this is going to be a little bit different of a year. Um, we have to spread out all the tables and all that. We have been seven hours today setting up all the tables for the 40k Highlander tournament and the 40k Danger Zone tournament, and the 40k narrative strike force uh match and the 40k narrative big battle and the age of sigmar narrative big battle and the age of sigmar behemoth big battle and the 40k super heavy big battle and <laughs> what else the brutality tournament and all of these signs that hang from the ceiling and all of the table runners and our backdrops and our trophies and getting the, sit the tables situated and the train and the mats and everything else. So I uh, we had not as much to set up this year, but we still had a lot to set up. So we um, normally it probably takes us 12 hours to get everything set up. We got it done in about seven this year, so that's nice. Uh, like everything, I do this. Um, I plan quite a bit for all of this, and I'm driving home currently as I talk. And uh, we, I plan a lot for this. I over-plan for this because I know there's always things that show up and they spring on you at the last minute and you do not want to be bogged down with a dozen things you should have done prior. So as soon as things come up, I deal with them and then more things come up and guess what? I'm free to deal with them. So I have everything ready, all the terrain, everything's all fine 
and I find out that, you know what, darn it, I need just a couple more buildings for the Age of Sigmar narrative. So I have some buildings at home, and I have some unassembled buildings at home. So tonight I will be assembling buildings and gluing them, and then tomorrow morning I will give them a quick dry brush, and we will be ready. So as far as other little nitpicky things, this is just a behind the scenes of making a convention. I realize that I need <laughs> gel insoles because this concrete floor after, you know, several 18 hour days or whatever, it really bothers my neck. So I got to get some insoles tonight. Also, there's a couple buildings that have windows on the first floors and we don't want line of sight on the first floor through building walls. So I'm going to go get some, I don't know, black tape or something to cover up this window for the first floor of all the buildings. Now, most of the buildings, I was able to assemble them in a way that they don't have open windows on the first floor because I want everything to be literal line of sight. But um, we also figured out all of the different terrain rules for all of our stuff and got that hammered out with a bunch of my Shorehammer people. And what else? Um, when I get home, I also have to grab my Satan, my giant Satan that I got commission painted by my friend Tony. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful model, if you have not seen it, shared on the Shorehammer Facebook page. And it was painted specifically, bought and painted specifically for this narrative game, for 40k. And it's a creature caster, Lord of Death, or something like that. And he painted it to the highest standard I've ever seen a Satan painted. It's beautiful. And that's going to be wreaking havoc. What's interesting about our narrative battles for the uh, the different games is that, spe specifically the 40k ones this year, is we have an AI component to it, or a third party that's an NPC, and what's interesting about that is that the players will control them. They roll off and they take turns controlling these swarms of Satan energy beans. The Satan is a fully powered Satan, it's going to be like 60 wounds, toughness 8, 4-up save. It's going to be mad crazy to kill. Um, but the benefit, here's how the narrative works, and this might interest you. The narrative on Thursday night is called Strike Force, and it's just 200-point lists. You're bringing these tiny little groups of people, and they're basically infiltrating before the main forces, both sides, Chaos, Xenos, Imperium, and they're trying to get information uh, that the last strike force is left. They gathered information and then were killed. So they have to go find their devices with all the information. If they get these uh, points of information, then they're going to be helping the main force on Friday for our big narrative battle. So the strike forces have an extremely important job, and they're going to be infiltrating this severely outnumbered. So it's going to be very, very fun. And... Um, like, one of them, uh, his army will treat the Satan as Toughness 7 instead of Toughness 8 on Friday, which is a big deal. And uh, one of them will give them minus 1 to the invol, so instead of a 4-up invol, it'll have a 5-up invol just for shots from that guy's army. And uh, there's some other ones that are pretty darn cool because um, this is the data. You know, if you have the data on the Satan, you're like, oh, you know what? He's normally toughness 8, but we know a weakness. If you shoot him right at this spot or whatever, he's toughness 7. That sort of thing. And uh, during the main battle on Friday, there's a lot of 
shenanigans going on for um we have relay stations that improve your reinforcements and we have missile silos that can deep strike uh i mean uh, orbital bombard other fields and we have the roving uh sentient essentially demons the satan has spawned from his power the satan's going to be randomly dropping down on the center of people's boards and just waves of mortal wounds are going to come out of it and some of the boards have a way to to deal with that, but both teams have to work together. Like one of them has a dampening field, but it has it's a dampening field in a square, and it has four points to control it. Well, when the satan comes to the middle of your board, and you don't know what turn it's going to be, you have to have all four points controlled, and he can't deal mortals to you. And you also turn off his invulnerable save, and he just has a four up regular save. So that's a big big deal. But you're going to have to have both your enemy side and you decide you know what we're gonna work on this together to defeat this satan meanwhile each player has one skilled unit that is basically experts on the satan and they are basically the ones with the pokeball that when he finally just if he dies on their table they can go up and capture the satan so there are so many layers of stuff i'm so excited about this me and just james were just ironing out the last bits of it and uh, the Age of Sigmar has stuff just like it, and uh, that's a whole nother story. I won't bore you guys with all the details. And there's actually a lot more to the 40k big battle, too. But I think it's really interesting how the small strike force thing on Thursday helps the big force on Friday. So the players on Friday better hope that their strike force teammates on Thursday do a good job. Or, I gotta tell you, a Toughness 8 Satan, 60 wounds, 4-up save, he's gonna be pretty hard to take down. Not impossible, but very hard. And the amount of uh, mortal wounds he dishes out is not going to be fun. So, anyway, that is what is up. So I'm on my way to Walmart now to get some Dr. Scholl's insoles because I am getting old. And also uh, some tape to tape up these windows. So at this juncture, I am quite tired. Uh, we, like I said, seven hours we did this, and I've got a lot more stuff to do at home. Little nitpicky stuff, like um, each player gets their own page with the description of exactly how their table works and the narrative, and just little stuff like that. But it all adds up as far as time consumption. And uh, so that is about it for now. Thursday night at 4.20 now, and uh, I guess you're going to hear me in a few seconds, but in real time, it'll be way less. It'll be like in the future, like the land of tomorrow, whatever. Yeah, so now it's the morning of Thursday. It's the first day of Shorehammer. It doesn't start until about noon today, but me and uh, Crown Jr. over here are driving into Ocean City. I'm super excited, and uh, we uh, we got breakfast, so we're eating breakfast. And uh, last night, I figured out with the scheduling, because, of course, you know, you have a bunch of scheduling with people, um, volunteers and whatnot, who goes into what event and when, and who is free to help what event, and some people in my volunteer list don't play AOS, so obviously they can't be a ringer for an AOS event, but they do play 40k or vice versa. So I have not been able to play in any events at Shorehammer for the last three years, I think it was, but I think, I think, and I'm very excited about this, I might be able to participate in some of the narratives this year. So I'm super excited about that. Um, now, it may not turn out that way, but I have lists. I made three lists last night in case I can help in any of these three. 
And uh, I think the tournaments that are running congruently will be handled by another volunteer. And it seems like, I mean, because most of our tournaments usually run pretty smooth anyway. And a lot of times we're like, oh, get ready. You know, we'll have 60 people in the Highlander tournament in most years. We don't have that this year. But, uh, and you get very few questions, really. And most people know how to play the game. And if they don't, they can ask somebody. And everybody's super friendly. So if I didn't know a rule, I could just ask my opponent. Like, hey, can I do this? And they'll tell you. And if they don't know, then they'll ask. Like, it's, it's very, very friendly. It's not competitive in the least. So, uh Anyway, hopefully I actually get to play in some narrative games. I've got a Tyranid list for the Strike Force. I've got a Tyranid list for the uh, 40k Big Battle narrative. And then I have a Cities of Sigmar handgunner list for my Age of Sigmar narrative Big Battle. So, uh, I realized too that if I want the narratives to run smoother... I did this last year, but I decided not to do it this year until the last minute... And I decided that uh, I really need to codify and write down all the rules for all the different objectives and the different boards and how they interact with each other during the big narratives. So I spent about two hours last night writing all that down and getting them printed out. So I've done a lot of stuff, built some more buildings, painted buildings. I finished up a sorceress that's part of my list for Cities of Sigmar, made up three lists, changed the schedule, um, just a bunch of stuff. So it has been nonstop Shorehammer here for the last, really, two weeks or week. Um, I'm recording there, Cron Jr., if you could stop rustling that bag. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so that's it. I am super, super excited. So we will be going to the hotel. I'm, I'm on my way there now. We will be there in about five minutes, and we have some little piddly stuff left to do. Uh, when you're doing an event like this, Sort of, these sort of things pop up all the time. And that's why I said, I think, in the last part that I just recorded yesterday, is that you got to knock everything out possible you can think of because things will always crop up. For instance, I had tape left over from last year to tape off the boards and uh, make sure they're 4x4 four because four we don't do a 6x4 board. And, you know, um, to number each table, we put a piece of tape and Sharpie. Well, come to find out... Um, we had tape left over last year, and I bought more tape. Well, now I can't find either. So I had to go buy more tape last night because I can't find the tape that I bought this year and can't find the tape left over from last year. So somewhere I have a dragon's hoard of blue masking tape somewhere in my on my property. I don't know where it is. Anyway, all right, well, I am very close to the hotel, so we will uh, check in with me at some other point when I find it convenient. Does that sound right for you? All right. Well, it is Thursday night, and it's 11 o'clock. We just shut all the doors, and I am quite tired, so it's been a long day, but we've got to see tons of our friends that came, and that is what is really all about. Um, I can't, you know, I always forget how excited I am when I see the people that, you know, came from previous years, and um, they're friends of ours and all that. And I'm sorry if I'm talking a little quiet, but it is 11 o'clock at night. But anyway, so everything went pretty well. We found out that our... Uh, remember how I said that you have to be prepared for anything because things uh, come up? Well, we found out that we were going to use Best Coast pairings today. And, well, we didn't find out. We were planning to use Best Coast pairings for our tournaments this weekend. And I ran several uh, test games, and they all ran fine. So I decided, well, I'm going to set up all the tournaments for tomorrow and Saturday and all that on Best Coast Pairings. 
Well, I set them up and then Best Coast Parents is crashing and it's not working and I can't make new events and blah, blah, blah. So now we've had to um, improvise on the fly. Now, granted, we had no tournaments today. That's why I was checking it today. Um, I wouldn't do that on the morning of a tournament. But, <laughs> but um, once again, the preparation, do things ahead of time. Do things, you know, everything that's on your docket, clean off your docket because you will end up having something that you forgot or something that comes up like suddenly your matching system does not work. But anyway, super, super great. I got to see a bunch of my friends, uh, Walt and John and Matt and Carl and Mike and Colin and just just a bunch of great people. And um, they all, you know, of course, it gets my ego inflated. They're all like, oh, man, we look forward to this all year. A bunch of people, uh, uh, Colin said, um, you know, this is the event we go to every year. And this is the first thing I take vacation off for and uh, stuff like that. Mike said that at the very beginning of the year, the first thing he marks off on his paid vacation calendar at work is Shorehammer. So that means a lot to me. And that's really what that's all about. So we've got a bunch of great people here. And I'm excited for, hopefully, I'll be able to participate in the uh, 40K narrative tomorrow. I did get to play in the 40K narrative tonight, and uh, I was playing against Just James and a bunch of other people. And just like I said, all the things that we did tonight is going to affect tomorrow, so that's pretty exciting. I got to play my Tyranids, and I brought some Carnifexes and some Gene Stealers, and it was just a little small point thing. But lots and lots of fun, and I had a blast. Everybody is just awesome. Have no no jerks yet this year. So let's see let's see if that continues. But anyway, so that is it for Thursday night. I'm about to go to bed, so I will see you tomorrow on the next recording. Well, it is Thursday night and it's 11 o'clock. We just shut all the doors and I am quite tired, so it's been a long day, but we've got to see tons of our friends that came, and that is what is really all about. Um, I can't, yeah, you know, I always forget how excited I am when I see the people that, you know, came from previous years, and um, they're friends of ours and all of that, and I'm sorry if I'm talking a little quiet, but it is 11 o'clock at night. But anyway, so everything went pretty well. We found out that our, uh, remember how I said that you have to be prepared for anything because things uh, come up? Well, we found out that we were going to use Best Coast Pairings today, and, well, we didn't find out. We were planning to use Best Coast Pairings for our tournaments this weekend, and I ran several uh, test games, and they all ran fine. So I decided, well, I'm going to set up all the tournaments for tomorrow and Saturday and all that on Best Coast Pairings. Well, I set them up, and then Best Coast Pairings is crashing, and it's not working, and I can't make new events, and blah, blah, blah. So now we've had to um, improvise on the fly. Now, granted, we had no tournaments today. That's why I was checking it today. Um, I wouldn't do that on the morning of a tournament. But, <laughs> but um, once again, the preparation, do things ahead of time, do things, you know, everything that's on your docket, clean off your docket because you will end up having something that you forgot or something that comes up like suddenly your matching system does not work. But... Anyway, super, super great. I got to see a bunch of my friends, uh, Walt and John and Matt and Carl and Mike and Colin and just just a bunch of great people. And um, they all, you know, of course, it gets my ego inflated. They're all like, oh, man, we look forward to this all year. A bunch of people, uh, uh, Colin said, um, you know, this is the 
event we go to every year, and this is the first thing I take vacation off for, and uh, stuff like that. Mike said that at the very beginning of the year, the first thing he marks off on his paid vacation calendar at work is Shorehammer. So that means a lot to me, and that's really what that's all about. So we've got a bunch of great people here, and I'm excited for, hopefully, I'll be able to participate in the uh, 40K narrative tomorrow. I did get to play in the 40K narrative tonight, and uh, I was playing against Just James and a bunch of other people. And just like I said, all the things that we did tonight is going to affect tomorrow, so that's pretty exciting. I got to play my Tyranids, and I brought some Carnifexes and some Gene Stealers, and it was just a little small point thing. But lots and lots of fun, and I had a blast. Everybody is just awesome. I have no no jerks yet this year, so let's see, <laughs> let's see if that continues. But anyway... So that is it for Thursday night. I'm about to go to bed, so I will see you tomorrow on the next recording. All right, well, I got my six hours sleep. I'm back in the ballroom. I'm always uh, first to go in and last to leave, which I'm totally fine with because I got a bunch of shit in here to protect. So um, walking around now, turn on all the lights. I got the staff to unlock all the doors and Everything is a go for Friday. Very, very excited. It's still looking like I might be able to participate in the 40k uh, big battle narrative. So I'm quite excited about that. Let's see how that goes. Uh, of course, the problem, the problem with an event like this, like anything, but like an event with a bunch of people coming, is that everything is constantly up in the air. No matter how much I try to pr um, plan for it or whatever everything is up in the air because constantly people cancel or people show up and they shouldn't have or people go can i change my order at the last minute or um some you know people might just be hung over and and like oh they are here and they signed up but they're not here for the tournament oh they show up an hour late because they were hung over so my policy is if i say dice roll at nine dice roll at nine like that's it if you're if you're late you're late um, now, if you're five minutes late, obviously we can accommodate, but if you're 10 or 15 minutes late, that's too bad, dude. You got, you're an adult. You need to be able to get here on time. Uh, something else is that um, my son, Cron Jr., ran the registration table by himself yesterday. I was extremely proud. After I showed him how to do everything, uh, he registered like, I don't know, 40 people in or something all by himself, and uh, that was really awesome. We have... Um, the registration desk is double wide this year, so people can't stand too close. And uh, you know, he was checking temperatures and telling them to sanitize their hands. And he'd sanitize his hands in between each customer. And it was just really great. I'm super, that's a, a big proud dad moment when your 11-year-old can register everybody in completely by himself. Like, I mean, I was standing there too, but, you know, he, he did not need to be told anything. He's a, he's a smart kid, so I'm, I'm very proud of him. Uh, he's never done that before because I always thought he was too young, but this year I was like, well, let's see, you know, see if you can do it, and sure enough, I mean, it was it was very proud. So, all right, well, I guess that's it. Like I said, I'm walking around doing this stuff, but uh, I got my coffee, so this is, I'm just waiting for more people because Friday morning a lot of people um, still end up registering because they want to get here. They only took Friday off, and they may not be able to get here Thursday night, so they have to come in early Friday morning in order to get registered before the events. So our two, uh, two tournaments going on today is the 
Age of Sigmar GT for today, and the 40k Danger Zone. So both of those tournaments, in addition to the narratives, but I mean the tournaments. And the tournaments both start at 8.30, so people are going to have to get in here earlier to get checked out. So that is, uh, that's the dealio for today. Anyway, well, I got some work to do, so I'm going to let you go, and I will probably give you an update uh, tonight. You'll find out whether or not I got to actually play on the narrative. So, I am getting the Satan to play in the 40k big narrative battle. I'm super excited. I actually got to do it. It was really up in the air till the very last minute to see if um, my brother could handle all the stuff up in the main ballroom while I do this. So, very, very excited that I actually get to participate in this. And, man, we had tons of people cancel people not cancel but not show up like I know they're here but they're not answering their phone and all that we've had a ton of just craziness today so I'm happy that we are still able to I'm happy that I'm still able to participate hey everybody it's Friday night and uh, we I was able to participate in the narrative battle and that was a freaking blast is what that was i never get to participate in any event at my own convention so i finally got a chance to participate in the narrative battle for 40k the big one and i also got to participate in the small narrative last night and what it came down to is we were all trying to kill this giant empowered satan it had 60 wounds toughness 8 4 up in ball but previously, the night before, we were able to find different ways to mitigate that. Treat him as toughness 7 or 5-up involve or whatever. And um, so we he would show up on every table, starting on turn 2. He would show up on table 1 and then table 2 on turn 3 and so forth. And he would spew mortal wounds and he'd um, send more of those Satan splinters out, which are these units of these demonic sort of things where he's so powerful, his energy is spawning demonics type people and um my gene stealers did pretty well it was gene stealers and um legion of the damned it was really death watch but he played legion of the damned because they don't have rules anymore so my tyranids were and legion of the damned versus custodes which was a bitch and um uh, space wolves and what we had to do our particular board the one out of four boards um, we had two missile silos, and as long as we controlled both doors to one of the missile silo control buildings, because each one had two doors, if you control both doors, in the beginning of the next turn, you can choose any of the four boards, the four tables, across the room, and you can pick one unit from two different tables to just straight up take three mortal wounds, because you hit them with the missile. So, uh, that was really cool. We were able to, strategically, we were able to, uh, we shot that missile out of five turns. We were able to shoot one of the missiles for four turns. And our enemies never got to shoot any of the missiles, which was awesome. And um, our enemies, they finally, the, the, actually on the fifth turn, they did get to control one of the missiles. We finally had died enough that uh, they got control of one of the missiles. And, uh, but the Satan on the fifth turn, the Satan was on our board spewing mortal wounds. So we actually, he was down to like 21 wounds at that time and he's limited to six damage each phase. 
So we both did a ceasefire. The Gene Stealers and the Legion of the Damned did a ceasefire um, with the Custodes and the Space Wolves to not shoot each other, to just focus everything on the Satan. And we were able to drop the Satan after both teams fired everything at it. It was really, really epic. So the problem is... Each player chose one unit to be their specialist unit, which basically have a Pokeball, and they can capture the Satan if it dies. And uh, when it came down to it, it was all the players were like, well, damn, we need to do like one final battle because we finally killed it on the very last turn of the game, and um, we need to do a final battle. So we decided to keep the way our table was, on since it was the last table, and play an extra sixth turn. And each player from all the other tables brought one unit of their choice onto our field for the sixth turn. And we all fought over it, and oh my god, it was such, such a tough battle. Just the last turn was so nail-biting, because they had um, they had three of those new Outriders on the objective, and they had three Wolfen, which was also their specialist, so both of those were specialists, and then ten Salamanders, Primaris, Intercessors, that were also specialists. So they had three and three, they had 16 people on it. And we were going it, we're basically, if you were specialist, it was basically a special objective secured. And it was pretty awesome. Objective secured in any other unit doesn't matter for this objective. You can only, if you're a specialist, you can cap it. So, and when it came down to it, they had 16 people on it, and we fired everything into it. And they did a good job, because they had the Custodes jet bikes and all, and they tied up a bunch of our units that were specialists, because they got to go first. We went second. So, Just James was able to take his uh, Dark Eldar um, Cabalites, uh, not Cabalites, um, Incubi. And he was in close combat, but he was able to do a stratagem that enables him to retreat and still charge. So that was his specialist unit. So he retreats and then charges, and between the shooting and the incubi and some of the um, uh, Legion of the Damned guys, it was nuts. We got it when it was all said and done. Um, the Imperium captured the Satan. They had three models to our two models on the objective. And I got to tell you, after all that combat, all those deaths, all that everything that was such a nail-biting end to it and it was so much fun and you really don't get an ending closer than three to two i mean that's that's so so close so i am still very excited about that i'm so so happy i got to participate in it and i had a blast all day um so um i will hopefully if all goes well play in the aos big battle tomorrow because we have, um, you know, a bunch of cancellations for a 50% capacity, what we normally were like last year. And uh, so we've had a lot of cancellations, which means there's less going on with fewer people. And hopefully I can manage to be in another narrative tomorrow because I'd love it. So that is probably it for tonight. It's Friday night. Um, I'm going to go back up to the thing. I just realized that um, we picked some. Uh, so what I'm about to do now is that I was informed, I talked it over with some of my tournament players, and I was informed that some of the keywords that we chose for the Highlander train basically does what we want it to do, but doesn't quite exactly define it crystal clear. So 
Upsettingly enough, I thought I had it very, very simple and very clear cut, but unfortunately I'm going to have to do a diagram and spell it out. So I'm going to have to um, print out a separate piece of paper for every player, and I just made it on um, on uh, paint.net, and now I'm going to have to put it on a flash drive and go down to the lobby and put the flash drive in the computer and print out several copies of this at the last minute. So. I'm a little bit, I mean, I'm not really complaining, but at some point you do get a little fatigued. I've been up for, you know, 14 hours already, and now they're like, well, you really should print this out. I'm like, oh, good God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. But it has been so fun seeing all my friends and hanging out, and I've, we got a lot of compliments. Everyone's like, I'm so happy you had it this year, and all that. So I'm in my hotel room right now, but I'm um, getting ready to go back to the ballroom and then go print this shit out, so... That is Pimpcron for signing off Friday night. So, I got about six hours sleep last night, and I'm feeling a little cranky. Nah, I'm alright, actually. I was feeling cranky last night before bed. I'm like, man, I need to get the fuck to bed. But we uh, got about six hours sleep, so I am first went in, got the hotel to unlock everything. So, waiting for people to come in. Um, I'm very excited. Once again, I think I can play in the narrative, so that's exciting. And uh, we've got a couple more check-ins to do today, and of course all the temperature checks each morning for everybody. And so far, not a single person has had a uh, temperature, so that's awesome. And I got thinking, I'm like, you know, with everybody constantly hand sanitizing, all of our all of our bottles of hand sanitizer are um, sitting around and, and all that, so everyone has free access to that. And we also have sanitary wipes. Um, they're uh, and they're uh, you know anti I want to say antibacterial, but they kill germs, whatever that is antiseptic and uh, we've got those laying around and all of that people don't share papers or pens or anything like that there's very few papers and everyone has their own pen and uh, it just it's worked out really well and I was thinking you know con crud is probably not something we're gonna get at all this year usually con crud when you go to a big event people end up getting sick and you know they're upset about it but with every single person wearing masks and everybody um, fastidiously you know sanitizing their hands nonstop. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, nobody gets sick, because normally about this time in the in the weekend, you know, I got like a stuffy nose or whatever in most cases, and I feel great this year. <laughs> so then again, most years it's nonstop handshaking, and you know, like oh hey buddy, what's up? And you shake hands or whatever. Well, this year we're just waving. So hey, what's going on? And then we kiss a little, but that's you know you don't don't tell anybody that. And I've kissed so many people this weekend. Uh, so, anyway, I, uh, have all but sold out of my Brutality rulebook, uh, at the, the convention, so I'm excited about that. I have one copy left, that was my display copy. So I'm excited about that, we've almost sold out of all of our Shorehammer dice, so that's exciting. And, um, last year, I bought, like, 500 dice, and it was the first year that we did the dice, and we completely sold out, and I did not get a single freaking dice for my own convention. So, uh, this year, when I bought my seven or 800 dice we bought, um, when I bought all that, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I counted 36 dice out, and I have my set of Shorehammer dice. So, that was pretty funny, though, that last year I was like, oh, damn it, I didn't even get any dice. I didn't know when they sold out. So, um, that is about it. We've got the big event this morning at 8.30, and that's the Highlander GT it's actually an RTT because one day the Highlander tournament for 40k and that's our biggest event every year so that's got the majority of the attendees in that today 
and my brother will be running upstairs while I'm downstairs running the AOS narrative and hopefully getting to play in it. I keep saying that because it's, it's serious. At the very last minute is when everything changes. You know me by now. I'm a planner. and I mean, I'm not really a planner, but I don't like shit to go bad, so that's why I plan. And uh, I'm actually a type B personality most of the time, but I also don't want stuff to be shitty. So that's especially with my name on it and my convention. So we run everything very nice. Everything is completely on time. If it's 9 o'clock and we say 9 o'clock, that's when it starts. There's no waiting or all that bullshit that I, you know, that you see at other events. So um, where was I going with that? I don't remember because I'm doing other stuff while I'm talking. Um, <laughs> um Oh, about people, you don't know, I mean, even if people, you're like, okay, well, I can look ahead of time and go, okay, well, we do or don't need a ringer because I know all these people in this event are here. They registered, so I know they're here. And then when it comes time for the tournament, I look around and we're missing somebody. And you're like, what? wait a second, we did need a ringer, but now we're missing someone, but that guy checked in. So we call him or we get his friends to call him or whatever. And, oh, sorry, he's really hung over from last night, so he's not coming in. Well, damn it. So now... I got to go run over there and tell my ringer to get off a table so that I can combine that table with the other table of the guy who would be the opponent of the drunk guy. And then, you know, sometimes there'd be another person that's like just way late. And you're like, well, why? we said 8.30. You know 8.30. Like this is no, there's no magic behind this. It's 8.30. Like you're, you're a freaking adult. So then they stroll in at 8.45 or whatever, you know. Now, dice roll at 9, so and that's why we do that. It's 8.30. You have to be here at 8.30, check temperatures, and get your table um, you know, your table that you're going to play on and all that, and you sit there next to your table, and you've got about a half hour to go pee or get a coffee or whatever while you're waiting for dice to roll. But no lie, dude, if you come, if you come 9.01, you don't get to play because we told you to be here at 8.30, and that's the way it is. So anybody tells you... Uh, if they've been to Shorehammer, anybody can tell you that I do not fuck around with time. And matter of fact, my wife can tell you that too. Um, my wife is always late, and I'm always on time. Actually, I'm always early. So, um, but that that makes a good TO. Is someone that I mean, here I am, and uh, what? It's 7:30. Yeah, I'm here an hour before anybody needs to be here. And I spent a little too much time talking to my brother this morning because I was here at seven yesterday. And uh, but anyway. All right, well, that's enough rambling. I think that's it. Um, I did see one guy that has not yet registered downstairs, so I know he's going to need to register. I'm starting up my computer. And hopefully this is at least somewhat interesting to you guys because I'm just rambling into a phone by myself. So hopefully it's, a, it's interesting to you to hear some of the behind-the-scenes stuff for uh, Shorehammer. And uh, other than that, everything's ran pretty smoothly. I mean, we have lower attendance, so... That's enabled me to actually have some fun and enjoy myself. I haven't played a game at Shorehammer in since the first year, I think. The first year I got to play and stuff. And then this is the fifth year. So it's been three Shorehammers I haven't been able to play in anything. But that's the price you pay as a TO, honestly. I'm not really complaining, although I am. Alright, well, that's it for this session. Toodaloo. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the segment that you knew would happen. There is no doubt about it in your mind. This is the recap of Shorehammer 2020. Um, 
I'm not going to go all into all of the COVID-related things that we did to jump through hoops to make sure that this was all good this year. If you're really interested in hearing all of that about all the steps we took, then you can read my article from this past week on Bella Blah Souls, because we talked all about that. The rearrangement of things, the multiple venues we rented, the uh, daily temperature checks, the, the purity seals, blah, 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 blah. So if you want to read that, you can go ahead and read that. What I'm here to tell you about is the kick-ass time. You know, honestly, I think the best, most fun time I've ever had at Shorehammer personally. So there's a lot going into this segment. Um, Now, you've already at this point listened to my behind-the-scenes stuff, so I'm going to try not to cover you know, both parts of those. We're going to see if we have any overlap, but I'm, I'm going to talk about my games and everything. First of all, it was amazing to, you know, amazing such a dumb word. It was really great to see all my buddies. Well, okay, not all my buddies. We had um, roughly 50% of the people canceled, so they did not show up, whatever. Luckily, 50% cancellation allowed us to spread out all the tables really well, and everything was super, super copacetic. So I... In addition to that, I got to participate in all of the events, and they were very fun. So I played I played in an event every single day, whereas normally, in most Shorehammers, ever since the first one, I get to play in exactly zero things. Now, I've also said that, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But uh, Thursday night, we had a small narrative battle, which I also discussed in the recap. I'm just going to tell you about my game rather than the design of it. My game is, um, I had Tyranids, Carnifexes, and Gene Stealers, and we were trying to get this information that would help people the next day defeat the Satan. And um, it was pretty darn cool. I had, at the very end of the game, I ended up with a Carnifex, <laughs> a Carnifex running from just James Wraithguard, and he had an objective, and the Carnifex was straight up sprinting and had to hide behind a building so they could not blast him to pieces. And that was pretty hilarious. Also, I had uh, a single Gene Stealer model survive. They ran up there. They killed a bunch of guardsmen. They took the objective. They kept running. They were shot at. They were dwindled down. They kept running. They were shot at, dwindled down. And he was able to run all the way back to my deployment zone and also hide. So out of the six objectives, my team got two of them. And I was very proud of that, both from Cowardly, Gene Stealer, and Carnifex. So on Thursday, I took a bunch of Gene Stealers and a Hive Tyrant and things like that. I can't think of what else I had. Um, Gene Stealers, I had 30 Gene Stealers and a Hive Tyrant and a Broodlord. I think that was my whole list. And um, I might have had something else, but I can't think of it at the moment. But the point is, is that uh, I had a lot of fun. Our mission was to control these two missile silos that would shoot missiles and deal mortal wounds on any table we choose. So each missile silo, there was two of them on our board. They each had, um, they would do straight up three mortal wounds to one unit on two different tables per missile. So if you controlled both of them, you'd be doing three mortal wounds to four different units on two tables or on four tables, whatever. Uh, the same silo couldn't target the same table or the same unit. So that's, I guess you could double them up if you controlled them both. Our side completely controlled one of them almost the entire game. And the other one was hotly contested, and no one ever got to use it. We didn't, and neither did they. It was my Gene Stealer cult and um, Legion of the Damned, which was actually Death Watch, versus Space Wolves and Custodies. Custodies are a bitch. I gotta tell you, I hate playing Just James with his Custodies. Custodies are... And, and you know, the reason why I call them a bitch is because they're really good. 
Custodies, I always feel like, are what Grey Knights should have been. The twos to hit, the toughness five, the three wounds or whatever they are, the five up invol. Like, I just feel like that's the way Grey Knights should have been. So, um, that was a really fun game. Then we also, on the next day, that was the main 40k narrative. On the next day, we, um, the whole story behind the Age of Sigmar narrative is that last year, there was this realm that was completely, basically nobody could go to it. It was covered in all these magical storms, and basically anybody that tried to go there, it was an old kingdom that had been forgotten. And it was basically still intact, but nobody lived there anymore. Everybody was dead. And none of the people, even ghosts or demons, couldn't get into this realm without being destroyed. And then randomly, uh, one day it just clears up. And that was last year. So then all the... Order, death, destruction, chaos, all of them swarm into this realm trying to capture it because it is a uh, it's a bygone kingdom with a lot of magical items and relics and things like that from the age of, I guess, chaos. And uh, it's really cool. So this year I got tasked with being I took my Cities of Sigmar and because someone dropped last minute, I actually had to play two players worth. So I played uh, Cities of Sigmar and I borrowed some Cities of Sigmar from someone else. And my mission was to play my friend David, believe it or not. It was kind of funny. With all the people playing, We each team chose who they were going to send to each board. And it just so happens that Just James played our friend TJ and our friend Josh, all from our group. And I played our friend David. So it's funny because all of us played people from our own group. And meanwhile, all the other tables, just there were other people from other groups. And it was just funny how we didn't mix. But uh, we didn't know ahead of time that was going to happen. But, uh, so basically it was my Cities of Sigmar versus David's Orc War Clans, and I gotta tell you, that was one of the best games I've ever played, and it was so backwards, it, I, uh, I eventually won, but I won in the most ass-backwards way I've ever won an entire game. It didn't super feel good, because I didn't really earn it, <laughs> but the mission was, is that the Ogres and and all the chaotic groups had controlled this land. They took it over last year, so we're taking it back. And I was going to be there on a humanitarian effort. Sorry, I had to stop there for a minute to yawn. And I was there on a humanitarian effort. The Cities of Sigmar guys were going there to free these slaves or these captives from the ogres and the orcs who use them for, you know, fighting or they just eat them or whatever. So we had six different objectives of these ruined buildings that basically were a hole in the ground and they kept pens of people underground. So each turn when we would, you know, retrieve, I would score that objective, I would roll a D3 and that's how many people fled. Like we, I was able to save those many people. And if we ever rolled a natural six for the D3, we would get an artifact from somebody. Like, they were hiding this artifact and gave it to us. And it would affect the entire unit. And it was very, very cool. Um, but also, when you rolled your D3, you got plus D3 bravery for that next game turn until your next, you know, turn. And uh, so, the funny thing is, is that David completely wiped me off the board. Both of my lists with his Orc War Clans just completely wiped me off the board. But... And that would have just been done on, like, turn three. If it were not for our reinforcement things that we did for this narrative game. So, if you are ever at the, in your hero phase, if you're ever missing a battle line like they've died, you can roll one dice. Not a dice for every battle line, but just roll one dice, and on a five up, you can get a battle line back. Well, 
um, if you're completely wiped, you don't even have to roll. You can just bring back a battle line, period. Well, it's funny because my Cities of Sigma army had 30 handgunners, or it might have been actually it was 60 handgunners, I think, but they're all battle line. And uh, the other list the guy gave me was Free Guild Guard, which is battle line, and the Wanderers, or whatever they're called, which is also battle line, and Free Guild um, Longswords, which is also battle line. So I had basically a whole army of battle line. And he killed all my characters and everything. And he, David, completely destroyed my army two times over. And I don't think I ever failed a five-up reinforcement. I don't think I ever failed one. And even units, um, all the units I had on the board at the end of the game had died once, if not twice, that game and came back on the field. And it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> His poor orcs were fighting an endless tide of handgunners. And handgunners, I mean, they're good in masses and they're good at shooting, but they suck in close combat. They got a bravery of five. They got a six up save. Like they're not, each one of them gets a one attack, fives and fives, no rend, one damage in close combat. So they're not good in any sense of the word, um, except for shooting. And the thing that we started developing is because I saved like, I think 28 people in that whole thing. And it was super super fun and i saved 28 people and i lost a lot more than i saved but you know we, we don't talk about that but the funny thing is because i was saving so many people and because i was getting so many people back david and i came up with the narrative that these new handgunners i keep getting aren't actually my handgunners these are the slaves or the captives that we're freeing are literally turning around picking up the guns of the dead handgunners and they're becoming handgunners which it really tickled both of us. It was a really, really good game. And, like, I mean, no doubt about it, he whooped my ass the entire game. It was no joke whatsoever. But then I just kept coming back. In droves, kept coming back. So, um, it's just so funny how different um, roles can be. Like, he had this mall crusher that killed a thing of longswords, and it killed my wanderers, and it killed a handgunner group. It killed most of my free guild. But when my great swords came back as a reinforcement, they charged him and completely murdered him in one turn, which is pretty amazing because I think it's a roll of a six or a wound, a uh, roll of a hit or wound of six. I forget which one it is. Does a mortal in addition. It's called de decapitating strike. And uh, so we actually, our mortals alone are what killed him. He was already injured a little bit. And um, the mortals alone, so I feel like all my my f long swords, or maybe they were captives that picked up the long swords, they all just jumped on this uh, mall crusher and just hacked his head off and and decapitated him in close combat. So we end, I did end eventually uh, end up winning that game, but like I said, I did not deserve it. <laughs> I didn't deserve it at all. He couldn't make his uh, res reserve saves to save his life. And uh, he did eventually get one group of Gorgrunters back, but they were everything was over on my side because he's invading my deployment zone, essentially. So the Gorgrunters never really had a chance to do much. And um, it was it was pretty hilarious, actually. So um, that was that game. And uh, Order actually ended up winning. The three out of four tables, the Order won. And uh, by varying degrees, but um, it was still very fun. And what else? Then the Brutality Tournament on Sunday. I was thrilled to play in the Brutality Tournament because I usually don't get to play 
And um, now that it's officially out, like all these other years, it was in beta. So we didn't have, we had players, but they didn't know how to play that well. And, you know, it's, it's all that nonsense. But this year, people knew how to play. They brought their books. They were ready. They already made warbands. And it was an official tournament with trophies and everything. So when it all came down to it, the third round, it was matched pairings. So um, Matt and I were both 2-0. and And my friend Matt um, has always, he's been a longtime brutality player. So he's he can be pretty tough to beat. And um, he was beating me at the time. Like sixteen to fifteen, I think it was. No, no, no. It was it was fifteen to fourteen. Our total aggregate points going into ours was fifteen to fourteen, and it's pretty funny because we had a knockdown drag out fight. I mean, it was it was just so ruthless. And for instance, like he had this monster that was upgraded to be a berserker, so his save was really good. I mean, a a, a brute. No, oh, my God, a, a breacher. So his save was really good to be a breacher with a monster. So but I knew somebody was going to bring a breacher. So I took my support with missile power and the missile power ignores saves. And I took a locust. I was bringing my Borg collective. He had his steampunky guys and um, I had my locust so that she could use her locust ability to make one of my roles the number of my choice. So I... Uh, what I would do is uh, make my cast for missile a critical every time, so it would do two missiles onto his his breacher, and it was pretty cool. It uh, I didn't actually kill him. I only did one damage to him one time. But what I would end up doing is two wound chart rolls every single turn. So by the end of it, he was like fight skill two, movement four. He was uh, I mean he was really beat beaten and battered and. Uh, I gave him bleeding twice, but he staunched that before he could lose any hit points. And uh, he made really good use of um, the minions. He he would out-activate me, obviously, because he started out with a dominant and two minions. Well, right there, I got five models, he's got five models, but now he's actually got seven models with the minions. So uh, the minions did some work. They captured objectives and all that. Um, but it's funny because we, at the very end of the game, we tied five to five. And that put him 20 to 19 in the aggregate score. So he won first place and I won second place. And I know this is going to sound stupid to all of you because this is my game and my convention and my tournament and all that. But I am so damn proud to have a second place trophy in Brutality. I'm not lying to you. I am very, very proud. It's it's up in my um, my gaming area now because I just want everyone to see that I got second place in Brutality tournament. Did you know that I have actually won third place, the best I've ever done, in two tournaments that had, you know, a dozen people or whatever. I got, um, I was tied for first one time, and I played just James, and we, I ended up getting a three-way tie for second. And instead of just accepting second as a three-way tie, we said, you know what, let's break the tie, a one-on-one-on-one game. And I think it was my friends TJ and Derek, I think, and, um, Unfortunately, you know how a three-way game goes? They kind of both focused on me before they focused on each other. And uh, then I ended up getting knocked down to like fifth or fourth, I guess. And uh, I should have just accepted the three-way tie for second, but I didn't. But anyway, the point is, is that the two tournaments that I've ever been in and the highest I've ever ranked officially was third place in both of them. And both of those tournaments were like, yeah, we don't give out trophies for third place. And I'm like, fuck me. Seriously? You don't give out trophies for third place because I finally earned third place and you're not going to give out trophies for third place. 
So, um, I mean, a lot of times I've gotten fourth or fifth or whatever, but third place twice, and both of those cases, there was no reward for third place. So, oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. I got knocked down to third place in that one. I'm stupid. I was saying fourth or fifth, but I actually got down. Man, I didn't even, <sighs> whatever, I'm stupid. Point is, is that in that one, so I guess I got second in that three-way battle, which made me third. Yeah, I guess that's what it was. But the point is, is that I've gotten third in two tournaments. Neither one of them gave out trophies. So I have never gotten the trophy for literally anything. And I am just super, super ecstatic to have a second place trophy in Brutality. Of course, that game is my baby and I love it. And we had an awesome, awesome game. I felt bad for my friends Josh and JD because uh, they were both in the tournament too. And they just rolled garbage. Both of them just just hot garbage. Um, in one game, Josh failed two, two up charges. In other words, he rolled a natural one twice for charges. And a two up is the best it could be. So that's pretty terrible. I do have to say, too, one thing is that Matt would have beaten me if he did not roll a critical fail on uh, praying at an altar. I had an altar that scattered into my deployment zone, and he had this woman that I don't even think she was hurt. She just went directly over to the objective. We had been fist fighting a little bit, and she broke off and went to that objective, and she rolled a one. Well, we were in the Whispering Woods, and a one means your person just gets lost in the fog, and that's that. So she got removed from the table, and I could tell on his face that <laughs> that gave him the feel-bads, and I don't blame him because he was, he's like, it sucks to just roll a one, and doesn't matter how powerful or how good your model is, in that particular realm or region, uh, you roll a one on a prayer, and whoops, you don't exist anymore. You wandered off into the mist, and that, uh, yeah, that wasn't fun for him, but you, honestly, if he hadn't rolled that one, he would have won. Our, our game, and I mean, he still would have been first place, it doesn't matter, but our game, he would have won, so both of us ended up 2-0-1, which is pretty awesome, so I was undefeated in my Brutality tournament, um, and got second place. So, that is basically everything I participated in, and like I said, I just had so much fun, I've, I got to plan stuff every single day, and um, my brother Brooks basically handled all the stuff every day for the tournaments, but the tournaments pretty much run themselves. I mean, there's a couple rules questions, and we had Andrew for that. Um, so, really, that's not a big deal. Most years, because I'm never, like, 100% on the rules, I can answer most questions. Probably 60, maybe 70% of questions. But by the time someone comes to you in a tournament and they have a question, it's probably some sort of technicality. And our friend Andrew knows the rules a lot better than I do, so I usually... Like, the options are, I stand there for the whole tournament and do nothing except direct things to Andrew. Or, I can go play in a narrative and he answers the questions anyway. So, I did that. But, I, I had so much fun. My um, my Thursday night game tied 3-3. Three to three. My, thir uh, my Friday game, I lost. Our whole team lost 3-2. Uh, to two. But my personal game before the big game, which I already explained in the recap... Um, my personal game with the missile silos before we went that sixth turn is we actually would have won that game because we controlled the objective, the missile silo, for four out of five of the turns, and they only controlled it one time on the fifth turn. So we would have won that, but we weren't really doing points because it was narrative. And uh, so I went three and three, three points to three points on Thursday night, and then 
won our personal game, but the big game we actually lost three to two, which was close. And I completely beat David in a completely ass backwards way and did not deserve it, but technically I won anyway because the slaves revolted on Saturday, which was really fun. And then I got second place and went undefeated in brutality on Sunday. So that was, boy, you know, it's hard to say that a weekend might be perfect, but that was pretty darn close to perfect. I'm so happy that we were able to still have it. And um, so far with the tracing and all of that, nobody has come up with any positives for anything. Um, We had all the stuff I talked about in the article, all the rapid COVID tests and all that stuff anyway, if somebody did. Only one person ever went high on the temperature checks. And it was kind of funny because this guy comes in and it was cold outside. So he comes in, he's wearing a sweatshirt and two jackets and he's got long hair and he's got a toboggan on or a whatever you call it, a wool knit hat, if you don't call it a toboggan. And um, we, you know, he lifts up his wool knit hat and his forehead's red from the, you know, the, the heat of his head. And we check his temperature and it's like 101. And we're like, okay, hold on a second. You know, you're, you're wearing three layers of clothing. He probably had a t-shirt under the sweatshirt too. So probably four layers of clothing and a toboggan. You need to take your toboggan off and you need to move your hair because his hair, he had like bangs. And, uh, so that was kind of funny. We, le- we made him stand there. He wasn't allowed to walk around. We made him stand there with his hat off for maybe five minutes and we rechecked him and his temperature was fine then. So it was just, it was pretty funny because we're like, you know, I'm sure it's because of your hat, but we have to recheck. So you can't walk around yet. Um, and we actually had some new people this year too. I mean, every year we have new people. Um, but this year it was more noticeable because there was fewer people there. So, um, we had some nice new people and they were all, this was their first event they've ever been to ever. And uh, my actual, my friend, John, that I've met from Shorehammer as well. He said that we were his very first event back in the first Shorehammer he came to. So he's been to all five Shorehammers and, um, and they said that like, you guys were all so nice. I can't believe it. And he had some issues with his list. Um, so one of our guys was helping him with his list and helped him run, some demos for the Highlander before it happened and all that. It's just, man, everybody was so nice. This year we had no assholes. Usually we collect about one per year. You can have like 115 people, 130 people at the convention and there'll be like one dude that just doesn't quite, you know, fit with the whole thing. And uh, usually they don't come back because they realize, oh, this is not my hardcore ITC Blah, 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 you know, try hard, you know, little PP <laughs> environment. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, that is it. That's the Shorehammer recap for this year. And uh, we did have our open discussion on Saturday night, which is always fun. And there you can actually hear my friend John. I won't tell you which one it is, but uh, there's many people discussing all sorts of things. So that is it for this segment. Thank you so much for listening to the Pimp Crown Warhammer podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you to all my Patreon sponsors. Guys, I really, really, actually guys and gals, I really, really appreciate it. And um, you make it possible for me to do what I do. And I really do love doing this podcast. It's um, very enjoyable. So also GameMat.eu, thank you so much for sponsoring us. And they were also a sponsor for the... Um, 
for the Shorehammer too. You know what? Matter of fact, I should mention the sponsors, and now all of you are going to tune out. Damn it, I should have done it earlier. Anyway, the sponsors, we didn't have many sponsors this year. Um, Sable Army Transport donated like 500 fucking dollars in um, transports and foam for the charity raffle, which was just freaking fantastic. So uh, they've been a sponsor for two or three years now, and uh, that was just above and beyond. I was not expecting that much. But um, they were really helped to, happy to help with the prize support for the charity. And um, GameMat.eu, of course, sponsored it. And um, uh, they're always supportive. They've been supportive. Actually, I think they were the very first year they supported us. I think they've been our number one sponsor for all these years. And, um, you know, another a new sponsor that we have is Panhandle 3D, which is a 3D printing company. And um, he was super, super nice. He kept me updated the whole time. Um, how my things are printing. He's got like 12 machines or something. Like he's, he will get your order done quickly. And um, I, I ordered a huge load of terrain this year from him. And uh, he, not only did it come out beautifully, but it was all printed in like a week. Like I'm not lying to you. It was, man, it was, I'm going to say 20 buildings I ordered from him. It might actually have been more than that, but it was like 20 buildings and it was all printed in a week. And he was like, oh, yeah, this building is printing, you know, the first level's printing on printer A, and this is the second level's on printer B, and as soon as that's done, I'm going to flip it over to blah, 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 and he was very professional. So, um, he has an Etsy shop, he also has um, three, panhandle3d.com, and uh, sableddesigns.net is the website for Sable Army Transport, and of course, gamemat.eu is the website for, well, gamemat.eu. So, you know, it's pretty funny, it's, it's smart to make your website address the name of your company that's just good looking out is what that is anyway i'm not going to bore you any longer thank you so much to my sponsors oh by the way we were able to raise we raised nearly as much in raffle tickets for the charity this year as we did last year and we had half the attendance this year now i think partly it's it's thankful to all of my sponsors and all the things they donated and all that um but it was it was just awesome it was like Maybe a hundred dollars less than than uh, last year with double the attendees. So that was really cool. Um, one last shout out to MarauderIndustries.com. Uh, Marauder Industries are go. We're going to be a vendor, but at the last minute they couldn't because of their other work. So they um, just without being um, th- without being asked at all, they just sent me a big box full of stuff. And some of the stuff they make is freaking fantastic. It's um like one of them. They make storage crates. Um, kind of like the storage crates you buy from GW, but at legitimately a fraction of the cost. And it's all, you know, the, um, the etched MDF and whatnot. They're easy to put together. And, uh, they, they scored the Shorehammer logo in it and the date, which was pretty cool. Uh, they gave me a set of them, so I'm excited to paint those. And, uh, they were very popular, but you know what was really popular? I mean, of course, besides the Sable Army transports, um, you know, what was really popular from Marauder Industries was their Auspecs. They have a turn counter and victory point recorder and command point recorder and all of that in the shape of like a real sized auspex now it's flatter than an auspex that you know that you would hold but if you hold it it's the same size as what an auspex really would be and it's really cool and they've got these knobs behind it and the numbers of course are on the face of the the auspex and, you know, your your secondary victory points or your primaries or your turn number, your command points, and you just rotate the numbers. And everybody was drooling over that. So that was pretty cool. 
But anyway, all right, I have rambled on long enough, and um, I'm glad to be back in the saddle for the podcast, so I will talk to you guys next week.